Hello, and welcome to On the Road to Discovery. If you care about education, this podcast is for you. I'm Sarah Elwell, and with me is my colleague, Heidi Goger. We are passionate advocates for the equitable education for all students. Today, we'll be talking about social and emotional learning with our extraordinary special guest, Karina Herrera, Executive Director of Student Support and a former school psychologist. Social and emotional learning is considered a relevant part of a student's school day. However, the requests for an incorporation of social and emotional learning lessons in the school day have increased significantly since the pandemic. And there is the question as to whether or not these lessons belong in the schools. To answer this question and several more, let's welcome Karina Herrera. Karina, thank you for joining us today. Now we're gonna start off with one important question. If you were speaking to a parent or in general terms, how would you describe social and emotional learning and that relationship to the mental health of students and their academic performance? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, So let's see that question about social emotional learning and the relationship to mental health. When I think of social emotional learning, I think of students who are being equipped to understand what their feelings look like, feel, um, and how they manage those feelings in their day-to-day, you know, interactions or life um, in terms of how that works for them to be able to be able to communicate with others, but also be able to just show up as individuals, as people, right? Um, And so with that, mental health is connected in terms of when you have these social and emotional skills and you understand how they impact you or how they impact how you show up in the world, It has an impact on, you know, your self-esteem or your, um, you know, angst, maybe if you feel anxiety or if you feel um, a level of um, indecision, right? And so with a prolonged time of not having these abilities or skills in terms of social and emotional um, areas, that can lead to some other, you know, things that come up like mental health, whether it's depression, whether it's, um, you know, um, anxiety, right? Um, Because of such a prolonged period of time of not understanding how to navigate that. Um, And inevitably, you know, how we feel and how we cope in our day-to-day life is going to have an impact in our performance and subcapacity. And so for students, what that looks like is, you know, academically, um, if there are students who are, you know, socially and emotionally equipped to handle their day-to-day lives, personal and, um, you know, academic, um, they're going to be students who are doing well in school, right? And if we have students who are not, um, 
doing well in those areas in terms of like understanding their feelings, understanding how that impacts how they show up in the world, um, then that can negatively impact their performance as well. Um, so I think there is a lot of like, you know, um, connection. And so in general terms, what I would tell a parent is that it's important for your son or daughter to really learn and understand how um, their feelings, their behaviors impact them in the day-to-day and how to develop some good skills to be able to navigate these things in your day-to-day because it's important for good mental health. And it's also important for just overall academic and just um, personal functioning. So Karina, in your experiences as a school psychologist, as an administrator, what is your experience with social emotional learning? And what would you tell an administrator, a school or district about the importance of it and how to implement it? Um, so my experience with social emotional learning as a school psych, um, I came across a lot of students who I assessed in various capacities, whether it was a learning disability or an emotional disability. And um, I was able to kind of see the connections between the areas academically that they were struggling and also like some social emotional factors that were playing um that were also playing an impact or factoring in and so it really got it helped me see like a big picture of like um the whole child right of like how are they experiencing their day-to-day emotionally how are they experiencing their day-to-day academically Um, And so that really shaped my recommendations in terms of being an administrator or even as a school psych, that it's important to not just look at one or the other, like academics shouldn't trump, you know, us not um, taking into consideration and into account the social emotional health of our students, right? Um, And so I always come in with that like student-centered, you know, voice in terms of personally outside of my professional um, experiences, I've had some difficulties with social, emotional and behavioral learning and functioning. And so I think I try to um, remember that and tap into that and how I was experiencing life as a very young child with previous traumas of my own and learning um, later in adulthood how, you know, to navigate that and wanting to ensure that students um, get those skills so that they can be either more successful or just successful. Oh, thank you, Karina. Do you have any examples of this being done particularly well? Or do you even think that some schools teach SEL separately? They think it's a separate class or a separate period, like advisory. Or do you think it should be interwoven into like the English course or social sciences? What are some thoughts for that? That's a good uh, good question because we're kind of navigating that right now. And we have those two different camps, right? We have the the camp that says, Inter, it needs to be interwoven, 
Um, and then we have other um, professionals who say that, no, p kids need explicit in instruction, right? And so I think knowing what I know about how students learn using my school psych background, right? I know that students benefit, some students benefit from one style and some students benefit from the other. So in the perfect world, what I would say is that you make it part of your day-to-day -day practice in every content area and any opportunity that you have to intentionally weave it in, the expectation should be that that is done so that it's um, real, it's tangible, it's, um, it's um, you know, that that students can really tap into like what are some of the things that are going on in the world related to you know statistics and math and like what does that mean to me in my day-to-day -day in terms of like do I see numbers that mean something in one demographic that look different in another demographic right and and what does that mean like for social justice or issues about social equity like do you know brown populations have less numbers of this and you know so you interweave it that way so that it can be real and um, applicable to students in their day-to-day -day life but then there's also i think um that explicit instruction that students who may not be like um gaining the same strides in terms of what that skill, whether it's academic or SEL, they need more um, support and more explicit instruction. And so I think that's where supervisory can come in. And you and you provide like small groups of explicit SEL instruction, but it should still like be an extension of what's going on in the world, in their classes, in their everyday life, so that it can be um, applicable and engaging because no one wants to just sit there and learn about their feelings, you know? Well, some people do, but most people, I guess, wouldn't want to just sit there and learn about their feelings. And so if you're able to take here and there, whether it's content, whether it's your day-to-day -day life and do it in a way that's engaging for kids. I think it goes um, a longer way, especially with our, um, with our high school kids, right? So sometimes we're hearing these stories about pushback, like this is not important in schools, just focus on academics. We don't need social and emotional learning. What is your advice or recommendation to these administrators, to superintendents, to districts about why this is important, why it helps academically? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we definitely do hear that a lot. And I think like, you know, as people, as humans, we're like, like creatures of habit. We like what existed and the status quo a lot of times. And so it's hard for us to change. And I think historically, public schools haven't incorporated SEL into their curriculum in the way that, you know, having attended Catholic school for some years in my early um, 
um, childhood I experienced. And I think when I became an educator, I saw how maybe that's the difference that like why we see um, you know, students in Catholic schools have higher numbers of graduation or higher numbers in um, post-secondary success. Like, you know, is it, could it be that? And so that made me like, you know, a proponent of SEL. Um, and it's always been something kind of like in the back of my mind because of, you know, my experiences. And so I think when you have you know, a focus solely on academics, you're not going to cast a wide enough net to reach all of your students. And, you know, yes, in a perfect world, maybe we should in schools only focus on academics, but I don't know why we would do that because we're social beings, right? We're going to present our social aspects anywhere we go and we're going to have social like issues or emotional um, concerns or issues that come up good and bad and not why not celebrate those things um, address those things when they come up so that our students can be more equipped once they leave their school it transcends to the community even at a bitty little bitty age, right? Like it's past your your school walls. It goes into the community and and how people interact with their neighbors, with their friends, with their family. I think it just makes for a better, you know, society as a whole when not just when schools are not just focusing on academics and it's an extension of um the family system too, I think is also something that you should think about um, in terms of like the programming and, and administrators minds, right? Like the family system isn't the same that it used to be. Like parents are having to work to, you know, you have to have a two income household. You have to have sometimes two or three jobs per um her parent just to make a, a living, right? To pay your bills. And so, you know, when I was growing up, I had grandma at home. I had my aunties who were an extension of my mom's parenting and even neighbors, right? Kids don't have that anymore. So we can't count or say, well, that should be happening at home because our whole like society as a whole has changed. And like, we can't, you know, say that anymore. It's different. I love how you frame this within the societal changes that have occurred, right? Because I, I will often, maybe not often, but I hear educators mention that SEL, that's not my job or they may not feel qualified to interweave SEL the way they're being told to do so. So how do you approach an educator who has that particular mindset to, to really engage um, with students in, in building SEL capacity? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because it's true, right? Like if you're not comfortable with something, 
it's going to be hard. It's going to be daunting. Um, so I think I would say just come in with an open mind, you know, and think about your experiences growing up or even your current experiences of like what it felt like to maybe not truly know how to manage your feelings or understand them even right um and and you make a good point about like feeling that angst if you don't feel prepared so our administrators are you know educator programs like the pre-service the the once teachers get out of um you know their um college and master's level experiences that that professional development still has to exist and continue and teachers should feel comfortable expressing that you know what I don't feel comfortable I need help with this and uh set up a system that's not just theoretical, but funded with, um, you know, those priorities in mind that um, we build the system, we build the skills of our, of our, um, of our staff so that they can, you know, do this work, important work well. Thank you for, for offering such realistic guidance, too, because it doesn't just magically happen for all educators. There is training and, and um, knowledge out there that they need to absorb. But there yeah. also is this school of thought, right, that we should be teaching students to be anti-fragile. That is, we help them to develop strategies to deal or cope with difficult situations or triggers instead of avoiding them altogether. And some may say that this strain of training does not prepare them to be anti-fragile. So how would you respond to that? Hmm. Um, I guess like, I just think like, if just because something worked in the past and Seemingly, it seems as though, you know, being hard on our kids was the right thing to do because, well, we turned out fine, right? And that's in quotation marks, fine. But <laughs> but um, I think not talking about your feelings or being told, put your feelings in your pocket, you know, or just deal with it or it's going to get better. Like, I think those are a lot of the reasons why some people in like adult ages suffer with mental health or even marital or personal relationships, even professional relationships where they haven't dealt with those things because we were from a school of thought back then of like, you know, just deal with it. Like, it's going to make you stronger. And I think to some extent, you need to, like, be exposed to everything like that's going to, yes, make you stronger. But you should have the tools to deal with them in a healthy way. Right. And I think that's the difference. Like, not like, 
sheltering your kids from anything that's, you know, uncomfortable or triggering or emotionally heightening, you know, like those are good things to have. Like there's times where you need to be, you know, passionate or you need to be angry, but, or you're going to be sad, right? But how you deal with it and how you show up is, I think, the difference of having the tools and not having the tools and like why we see so much of what we see going on in today's society related to like our school, our students, like, and mass shootings or, you know, professionals who are just having like, you know, suicidal ideations or, or just what happened not too long ago with a couple of days ago, the news that we heard on Twitch, the, the, the DJ, right? Like those are things that you, you don't know what that person was struggling with. And maybe had they had the tools, things could have been different. So I think there's a healthy way of being anti-fragile right? Like not shying away from things for sure. You shouldn't, but you also need the tools to confront them with success. And success is important, you know, for, for self-esteem, for, for um, just functioning mentally healthy. Yeah. And I love this, this um, idea of students having tools, right? Because I think there's what what is that saying where the like if 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 all you have is a hammer everything is a nail, <laughs> right? <laughs> so there would always yes. be all the res re resistance there. You're so you're so <laughs> right because if that's all if that's the only tool you have, right? Like I kind of talk about that a little bit with the administrators here. Is that like? You know, well, why does the kid always pop off? Well, that's the only thing the kid knows to work when he's frustrated, when he's mad, you know, like they don't have other tools. And so we have to teach them that. Like it it seems kind of, I don't know, like trivial, but it's not. If you don't have that somewhere at home, at school, it's going to show up. So, and so how is SEL giving teachers, students, the right tools to create like the equitable and socially just society that we want to live in? I think when teachers show up for their students, and understand that um, some of our students are socially adjusting well, and some of our students are socially not adjusting well, and they are able to meet their students where they're at and provide them with the supports that they need to be successful, then that creates an environment where students will have access to what they need right? It's that equity piece of like, if you come with high skills, then we can use those skills to be mentors or peer models for the other students. But if you come with skills that, 
you know, are lower and that you need support to build them, you're also welcome. And we're going to help find the supports that you need to build that up. Um, and so then I think in terms of equity, it's, it's, it's about what do students need to be successful? And are we willing as educators to give them that um, without gatekeeping it in some ways, right? Like of thinking, well, that's something you should come with. Well, maybe you don't. And so not addressing that is not gonna build you know, a better student or a better anything. It's just going to continue to um, see the problem and not solve it, right? And when students have that access, I think if they're able to manage their themselves, their their whether it's organization, whether it's social skills, whether it's, um, you know, making it to work on time, like, that doesn't just transcend to the academics, right? It transcends to even students who might not want to go to college, but maybe want a career or going to be out there working with other um, people. And so we're building them up for whatever it is that they're going to do post, you know, when you think of the big picture post-secondary, right? Like, what are you going to do then? And if if you're set up emotionally and with those skills, I think you'll be good wherever you end up. Definitely. I think it gives them the power to, you know, practice self-determination, which I think is like the peak of, of, of student empowerment in a socially just world. And I, I'll admit, I am I'm a work in progress. And I often tell <laughs> Heidi this. I, I am work, I am on my own social and emotional learning journey. Um and I think being along that journey with, with students and in partnership with students and administrators can be really powerful because there's a dissonance when there's a school system that's talking about, yes, wellness. We need wellness. Everybody uh, uh pay attention to your personal and professional wellness, but yet, and still the structures are still very oppressive or they don't allow for that kind of wellness practice to take place. So what does a systemic shift look like as far as SEL that centers it in an entire district or school system? And you could, if you have an example of that, I would love to love to hear what that looks like. A systemic shift in terms of trying to... So, yeah, what I'm thinking is, all right, say, for example, um, and I think Heidi might have mentioned this, like maybe giving wellness days or credits or um, if a educator needs to feel efficacy, which is one of these factors that they found like keeps educators in the profession. Like we're not being gaslit. We're actually being given chances to actualize like our um, mission or vision and, and why we got into education. Like if there are spaces that are created for that in a system, like what does that look like? Yeah, so... 
Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like left speechless in a way because what you said about like us um, outside of our, you know, selves, we're saying, you know, let's practice wellness. Let's make sure everyone is good. Like, is are people coming in, you know, feeling great and and exactly that, like, do we have those systems to, to do that? And for me personally, I've seen a shift from where I'm working now and where I was working before in terms of like, there is a high expectation here, just like there was in my previous district about, um, you know, outcomes for students, um, just your own capacity of being able to do wondrous things in very limited time, like that expectation is still prevalent in both. But I think the difference and why I've felt more comfort here in terms of my own well wellness or well-being has been that the culture at, at a larger level um, and even in the pockets of like my my teams that I work with are about building relationship, about knowing each other more than just the work that we do on a day to day um, and taking some time to like do outings outside of like the school day Um and to be honest, like we're all busy, right? And we don't want to like always do those things. But the more that I've like done them kind of out of being forced to in a way, because it's an expectation to some extent, right? Like it's wellness, but we expect you to do it. Yeah. So, but still like, I mean, for me, it works in that, in that regard, because maybe I wouldn't necessarily make the time for it being so busy, but um you know, having those opportunities to build and, and, and like connect with others is really like, I think what we need to model for our kids. And so creating spaces where kids can discuss or collaborate more like those noisy classrooms, right. Where, um, we give students the opportunity to like, just talk with one another, uh, bring in like things that like help them feel good about their school or their culture. Um, also like, you know, just teachers like supporting that. And like you said, like letting them know, like I'm, I experienced some of that stuff too, being transparent with them. So Karina, we have our final question and it's our signature ending question. And the last question is, where do we grow, G-R-O-W? Where do we grow from here at, at this point? What are your key takeaways for educators, for administrators about social and emotional learning, the connection to mental health? What do we tell our listeners? So I think where do we grow from here is um, just trying to take it one day at a time for how you can build um, SEL in your schools and really thinking about how, you know, important this is um, for students to feel successful 
if they're mentally well in terms of feeling equipped to handle any challenge that comes their way the same way in in us in adulthood right like if we feel that we're capable and we have the tools to to be successful in our social interactions in our you know ability to cope with difficult circumstances frustrations anger sadness all of those things right i think we just Start out small if it seems daunting and overwhelming and sticking to that with consistency um, and building from it by making it a priority to collaborate with one another and other people in your building to see how this can become a bigger thing. Um but start with just relationships. Start with just um, building relationship. I know it sounds like so cliche. And at some times when I'm so busy, I used to be like relationships, who has time for relationships, you know, but like, it does make you feel better. It, it, it You have to make that time. Like I said, we're like social people, we're social beings. Um, and we have to make some time to like, connect hear each other, learn from each other. And I think when you have those opportunities to do that, even at that small level, I think it can make a, a real difference because when you know somebody, you you get to learn things in common. And, and if you don't have things in common, maybe you learn um, like a different perspective, right? Um, also, I think it helps with like, just if if they have a different perspective than yours, that doesn't mean that it can't be something that you use later in life to like um, grow from, you know. So just start out small, I guess, is the the sum summary of that. Start out small, do it with consistency, and build relationships with your staff. And with your students, I think it goes such a long way it, with with kids. If you ask them how they're doing, ask them what do they like, how was their weekend, trying to build just those those small connections and letting them know a little bit about you and you about them just builds opportunity for for you know that connection that that's important because when you feel connected to other people you want to help you want to you know be around them and so I think it's more important than we think sometimes well that was wonderful Karina it was so insightful it was heartfelt I learned a lot oh Heidi <laughs> Sarah and I just want to thank you for being our guest for our second episode. Oh, nice. Of On the Road to Discovery. So we just thank you, Sarah. I love it. Yes. I love it. I think this is great. It's kind of like inspiring too, in a way, you know, it's like such good stuff. And just to hear from different people, I think it's such a great opportunity to, to learn from others, right? You guys and are- Your work is, your work is so inspiring and to be able to, 
offer those layered pieces of perspective today, like from your own personal perspective, from the school psychologist perspective, from a central office perspective. I think it's just really valuable to see how even through each of those lenses, there is an, a very important place for SEL. Oh my God. Yes, there is. And like, who would have thought that like not having those skills as a young girl would have been what propelled me to do this work now? Like, Jesus, like when you think of like, God has a plan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whether you know it or not. (laughs) Right. It's so like, you know, Heidi and I talk about this all the time and I'm like, I'm just in awe of like, you know, those experiences are what led me here and what helped me, you know, understand families, students, and be a voice and advocate for these kinds of things because they're so important. Like, had I known as a kid how to act better, I would have. <laughs> See, and the world is a better place. <laughs> 